saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. All right. Thank you so much for being here. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I'm Jamie Markley. That's David Van Camp. There's Scott Robbins. Looking forward to getting a lot of news today. Well, uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada is talking about defending democracy in Ukraine. Forget about it in Canada. Going to defend it in Ukraine. Can't wait to get into that. The CDC withholding data, really? Mm -hmm. And why? But first, new sanctions against Russia. Yes. President Biden addressed uh, a wary nation yesterday. Mm-hmm. Announcing new sanctions against Russia as it invades Ukraine. And this is the kind of strong leadership that you expect out of the president of the United States. And if you have a problem with the delivery, listen, it's a stutter. He is not senile, you conspiracy theorist. Okay? Oh, goodness gracious. He asserted that these regions are actually extend deeper than the two areas he recognized. So let's begin to... Uh, so I, I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? We've said all along, and I've told Putin to his face some month, a month more than a month ago. That- okay, man, I'm waiting for him to say, I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> Just having... A little bit of a problem reading the script. This is embarrassing, man. That we would act together. And the moment Russia moved against Ukraine, Russia has now undeniably moved against Ukraine. We're implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian sovereign debt. Okay, we had this yesterday, I know. And this is just going back over what Biden said. Why does it feel even cringier today? How is that possible? Implementing comprehensive sanctions on Russian <laughs> Golly. This is going to cost us all a lot of money, too, by the way. Oh, heck yeah, it will. I mean, just think about gas prices. Did you hear some of the predictions? Easily going to reach five bucks a gallon. Good Easy. God, yeah. I heard that last night. The Holy national smokes. average, which means Easy. in some places, if you're in, I don't know, California or oh. something, you're talking seven. Yep. I mean, it's it's crazy. And have you ever noticed when the price of gas goes up, the price of everything else goes up too? Hmm. When you know how it's transported to the store, and so you you think inflation's hurting you now? Yes. Oh, you ain't seen nothing yet. But hey, it's going to cost us something here as citizens of the United States to protect democracy in Ukraine, okay? Because that's who we are. Yes. Who voted I for guess. that? Anyway, all right, I'll 
wait for the soapbox. Well, we've a got all later. these people telling us. I mean, Kamala yesterday and and other spin doctors that you know we got to suck it up a little bit, Buttercup. It's for the greater good. The greater good, right? Do you see what's going on in Canada? Yes, They're taking people's money. <laughs> okay, when they don't like a citizen's message. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, you got Jen Psaki out there too yesterday. Yeah. Um, and Peter Ducey was asking several good questions, I thought. Oh, yeah, I think so. Bringing up points. Yeah. It, uh, what is this we're about to hear? Well, well, to set the stage here, before we get to Jen Psaki, yeah. uh, let's go back to 2019. It was the presidential campaign trail, and Joe okay. Biden said this about Vladimir Putin. Okay. Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. And I know he doesn't want me to be president, but to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. Mr. Putin, the American people decide their elections, not you. Chip in a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars. <laughs> I just uh, leave that part in because I think it's funny. It is funny. Uh, just after this very serious message, I will take it. And then it kind of sounds like he's asking Vladimir Putin for like either a, a dollar, two dollars, five, whatever you got there in the in the couch cushions, Vlad. If you could hand that over, we'd certainly appreciate it. Right. But uh, that reign of terror is over if I'm the guy in charge. <laughs> That's why Putin doesn't want me. Yeah, so in light of Russia invading Ukraine, uh, Peter mm. Ducey from Fox News circled back to that with White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. Nice setup, David. It's two and a half years later. He is intimidating the United States and those in Eastern Europe. What I'd hardly put it that way. I would look at it actually from the prism of the United States and President Biden has rallied the world, uh, rallied Europe uh, to stand up what? against the efforts and the actions of President Putin. And we, we've laid out very clearly exactly. $4 gas, $5 gas, however, how you guys think it's going to go, something like that is not intimidating. You asked me if we were intimidated by uh President Putin, and I think uh, the evidence of that doesn't exist. <laughs> so oh. Delusional. Okay. Yeah, not there at all. All right. Um, what was the one part two that jumped out to me? Uh, to stand up against the efforts and the actions of President Putin. Oh, yeah. Circling around. The United States and President Biden has rallied the world. Rallied the world. Yes. To laugh at us. Because it's a joke. Dude, we've talked about this before. There are news organizations in several different countries that play clips of Biden and laugh their butts off because it's a joke. They do it with Kamala Harris. They did it again. Do you think when Biden makes a video like the embarrassing one he made about how tough he is with Putin, that it's almost like billboard material? He, like, takes it to the barracks of all the military and just puts it up on the wall like they do with coaches. You know, this is another team. <laughs> Chip in a dollar, two dollars, yeah, five. Right, yeah. And I can hear that that little laugh that uh, 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 uh. it's like a joke to somebody like Putin. It, we talked about this yesterday with Kamala Harris because she is sent over there. Right. Oh, God. To ease the tension to, you know, restore confidence mm-hmm. in all of our allies because we're the leader. Right. And you heard this. <laughs> This talking point she had that goes in a circle that says nothing. And again, if you scripted this out Mm. and turned it in as an assignment, freshman, year, you'd get a D at best. I don't even know what she's trying to say in this. 
But this is some of the stuff that people from other countries laugh about. Absolutely. We strongly believe. And, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. What is she saying? I have no idea. None. I listened to that four times last night. Four times, objectively. And then bringing it home. And within the context, then, of the fact that that window is still opening, although, <laughs> open, although it is absolutely narrowing, but within the context of a diplomatic path still being open, the deterrence effect, we believe, has merit. Oh, my goodness. It's like, it is. It's like a bad book report. It is, yes. A t- it yes. A, a tale of yeah. two cities is a tale about two cities and love and revolution. And uh, did I mention two cities? And yes. it's a tale. It goes on and on. So different people having fun with that last night. Oh, and Tulsi Gabbard. You know, she was the Democrat. Loved at one time, not anymore. Uh, was on Hannity's show talking about Kamala and really just flat out said what a lot of people were thinking. My gosh, this is embarrassing. It's, it's hard to keep track of all of those jumbles of words. And it's clear that she was sent there uh, to be the voice of the United States as a purely political calculation. You and I both know she has no foreign policy background, no foreign policy understanding. She has no concept of the cost of war, nor does she have the temper temperament necessary to be the voice of the United States on the global stage. So, yes, we know it's embarrassing. So I I mean, we're in this for a while. Yeah, at least the the way it looks right now. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, what are we going to do? Well, just know that it's going to be all right. The American people are strong enough. We're going to get through this. And, I mean, sometimes you just got to kick back. You might as well take advantage of the situation and have a laugh. Didn't somebody have a laugh at Kamala's uh, expense with a little auto-tune? Oh, no, a little really? Bit, yeah. Do we have one? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I mean, with awesome. her laugh and everything else. This is great. Okay. And we're going to be all right. We're going to get through this. Might as well have a chuckle, it right? It was a debate. <laughs> Mission accomplished. Everybody laughed, at least for a couple of seconds. <laughs> Maybe a dire situation. Yes. But uh, you got to keep your sense of humor. <laughs> All right, more on that situation in a bit. The CDC withholding data. Why? That is much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robin show, Jamie Marsley, David Van Camp, excuse me. <clears throat> I can barely get this out right now. Scott Robbins. Uh, I'm just going to say it. Three guys that have spread a lot of misinformation. What? Over a long period of time. Yes, that's what we've been told. 
for almost two years. Oh, yeah. Many different times just saying what we read in studies, whether it was Israel or Germany, Sweden, wherever. It's like, okay, some things don't make sense with what Fauci's saying or what the CDC is saying. What about, you know, cloth masks? They don't work according to these studies. Misinformation. Oh, yeah. All of a sudden, you saw it in the failing New York Times. This is getting more and more talk. Um, they said, you know, the CDC has been withholding data. They're doing it for a good reason, though. What's the reason? <laughs> David? Uh, their logic behind it is that if the information got out, anti-vaxxers would, would use it to make it seem like maybe this vaccine is not as effective as we've been saying it is. Hmm. Which... In terms of transmission, uh, it's not. We can't trust just regular people to make decisions based on information. Right. We need to give it to them in our own special way. That's the CDC. That's their sort of mantra. Well, I guess that's pretty much with all of our agencies. Anyway, so the New York Times out there, if you hadn't heard, talking about, and it's weird, um, they have not listed, like, the performances of boosters and vaccines in younger adults. That's just some of the most glaring omissions in data the CDC has made public. Um, you know, they, they didn't really track the breakthrough infections. Why is that? You'd think that would have been really important. To yeah. know the people that have died, like, in the last three months, how many of those people were vaccinated? You'd want to know that, right? Sure yeah. I would. Yeah. Well, not if you found out a larger and larger number of people that were vaccinated died mm. because those that have been hesitant then may not get the vaccine, and that would be awful. So this is really something. John Hopkins, Marty McCary, he's been called uh, a purveyor of misinformation, right? He was in Back to the Future, right? No, a different guy. <laughs> oh. So we've been saying this for over a year, but when the New York Times discovers what's happening, then some start to pay attention. A lot of different professors, professionals, a uh, professor at the University of California, Benet Prasad, said, all I know is if you read the studies they are publishing, the reason they aren't sharing this data is absolutely not that they want to get the analysis right. Oh, no. I mean, they have... They've they've demonstrated that it, they publish information that they want to drive a narrative. That's I mean we've talked about it several times before that Arizona schools and mask study. Yep, that was completely flawed because you were measuring two different wildly different populations. Mm -hmm. You were also counting it as a coronavirus outbreak in a school if two people got COVID within a two week period. Okay, that's not an outbreak. By any stretch of the imagination, okay? Not to yep. mention that some of the schools that had the mask mandates were not even open during the time of that study. It was infuriating to see what the facts were behind that. So that's coming back around. I don't know what it's going to mean in the future. There are still you know, different places around the United States that are holding on to mask mandates. Oh, yeah. As hard as they possibly can. I mean, it's really something to see, even with all the data that's coming out. Exactly. And how 
can these organizations ever be trusted again? Well, you can't. I mean, and you also have to understand what's the motivation here? Because we were screamed at to follow the science. You're not following the science anymore. You're not. Well, and then you look at the latest Israeli study. That's the only place where they said, okay, we've got to go four vaccines. Mm-hmm. And then you see the numbers. Wait a second. You get the fourth vaccine, you're more likely to die than if you just had three from COVID? Yeah. Now, there's a lot that could go into that. And, I mean, a reasonable person would say, well, maybe those people were just less healthy. They had more uh, comorbidities, whatever it might be, right? People could figure that out on their own. Yeah. They don't just hide the information. The information is what it is. Mm-hmm. Goodness gracious. Um, this is just on a lighter note. I wouldn't have known this, per se. Um, but I'm sure gamblers already know this. When you're talking about statistics? Mm-hmm. When it comes to going to a casino, what's the game you should never play? Roulette. If you're following stats. I'll say, say roulette. Ru- I'll just say roulette, yeah. Okay. That's Save the one it. I never play. Yeah. Uh, slot machines in general. Yes. Oh, really? Yes. Hmm. Yes. They give a 5% to 15% edge to the house. That's according to a pretty famous statistician. You want better odds? You know what you play? 21. You mean blackjack? Yeah. Still calling it 21? Well, I'm still a child, Jamie. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Some people still call it 21. Okay. Um, no, actually, it's craps. Hmm. That is a 49.29% chance of winning. That's really interesting. Pure chance games. Hmm. I know this... From going around with people that knew how to gamble, I did see a dude that knew how to play craps win a lot in a hurry. But that that wouldn't have been me. Yeah. You know well, what I that, mean? That's a hard game to rig in your favor, unless you're loading the dice or whatever. But if if everything is above board, mm-hmm. that's, that's a hard one to say, we're tilting this in the house's favor. There, there you know, like any game, there's strategies, right? Yeah. You play it over time. When you see a guy, though, win several different times playing it, you almost get duped in. I just go back to what my dad always said to me. They're not in business to give you money in the end, okay? There's a reason that place looks as nice as it does. Well, yeah, that's (laughs) why they have all those big buildings and hotels and all that. It's not because they lost. Right. And there's a reason why they keep plying their customers with alcohol. At discounted or maybe even free Free. rates. Yeah, it depends on how much you're blowing at the table. Yep. Yeah. Um, Man, do we even go into this right now? Chuck Schumer. Update on Chuck Schumer. Oh, geez. First order of business is what? Oh, it's a uh, nationwide abortion law that would, they say, codify Roe. It actually goes way further than that. Uh, But it would legalize abortion through all nine months of uh, pregnancy and gut state laws that would curtail especially late-term abortions. Jeez. That's like what he wants Gosh. to hit the ground running with. And so it, it's about exciting the base more than anything. Golly. Okay. Listen, man, sometimes political news doesn't make a lot of sense to people, right? David, you follow politics more than anybody on the show. Yeah. The Democrats have lost their way with a lot of the voting base that has gone too far left. 
Chuck Schumer's first order of business? Yeah. Nationwide abortion? All nine months of pregnancy? Yes. That's... And- that's how we're going to win. Imagine being part of a political movement where you say we can win if we say we're going to kill babies. <laughs> Golly. That's something, man. man. Okay. Who's going to defend democracy in Ukraine? Well, Justin Trudeau. That is heck. Show Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. News update: David Van Camp. It's quite a journey that we've seen when it comes to world leaders and national leaders. Really, turn the corner when it comes to the idea of a vaccine passport for COVID. Okay, because now the World Health Organization has uh, chosen a telecommunications company out of Germany to help develop the global vaccine passport. <laughs> What? Oh, my gosh. Now, this is let, – let's go through this journey together. Uh, in the evolution, you could say, of the acceptance of a vaccine passport outright. Uh, July of last year, World Health Organization panel advises against use of vaccination passports. In fact, they were speaking out against it. Well, you don't want to limit people like that. that I don't know about that. That's not equity or whatever. Yep. By September of last year, the World Health Organization said, you know, COVID-19 vaccine passports could be considered. Might be a good idea. No. Then they've got the Smart Vaccination Certificate Working Group. And now they're actually working with a telecommunications company to develop such an app. Okay. (laughs) It doesn't stop you from getting covid how does that make sense? Not to mention the freedom involved. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We've never done that. How about a passport? No, I don't think you'd want to do that. No, and you, you can't require it. Well, I guess we can require it. It, it is the slippery slope happening before your eyes. Yeah. You're a big fan of the slippery slope, Scott. You warned of it for years. I used to make fun of you 10 years ago. I'm like, that's not going to happen until it did, and I apologize. I'm just wondering when they're going to start including this when you sign up for health insurance or you sign a job application as to whether you'll have to show proof of vaccination before being considered for a hire or considered for insurance and how much. Okay. I'm just saying, I mean, take it to the next next level, and this, in fact, could happen, I guess. Okay. Just, I'm trying to go by common sense, so tell me where I'm getting out of line, and I mean that sincerely. Okay. Okay. So, we know that the vaccine does not stop you from getting COVID. Right? No. That's why it's not a vaccine. Right. should just be called a flu shot or yes. a COVID shot, whatever. And it doesn't stop you from spreading it. No. What it's supposed to do is give you a milder case, per se, mm-hmm. of COVID, mm-hmm. keep you out of the hospital or keep you from dying because you don't want to overrun the hospitals, right? 
Well, you don't want to die. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not going to stop people from doing things that lead to their death. No, no, no. We don't do that. Right. So they, they say it's about, well, the hospitals have been overrun. Okay, people are burned out. Okay. Well, then when are we going to have some sort of rule as far as some of these obese politicians that keep telling us how to be healthy? Because there's a lot of them. That is interesting. Yeah, you bring I'm not that looking up. to yeah. pick on anybody. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about keeping out of the hospital, what puts a lot of people in the hospital? Being morbidly Obesity. obese. Yeah, even before COVID. Right. Yes. So are we going to do that? If not, then shut it, tubby politician. Well, we I'm made, tired of hearing it from you. We need to make Nutrisystem available to all, <laughs> not just the elite few. <laughs> well, that's a, they can afford it. Right. We have to do something about that. The politicians. Going to make all door frames 35 inches wide. That's right. You can't fit through there. Sorry. Load equity? Is that what we're going to call it? <laughs> Jeez, I'm tired of it, man. Okay, let's get to Justin Trudeau. This guy, I, people couldn't even believe he said it. Yeah. This guy's got no self-awareness, well, either that or he doesn't care or both. Well, I think when you have a whole lot of people who will just sort of cover for you all the time, you can say this kind of stuff with impunity, but... Uh, yeah, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, a.k.a. Fidel Castro Jr., uh, he is still using emergency powers to crack down on peaceful protests, but he says his country is imposing sanctions on Russia because they oppose authoritarianism. Canada and our allies will defend democracy. We are taking these actions today to stand against authoritarianism. The people of Ukraine, like all people must be free to determine their own future. Oh, gosh. That is very difficult to hear, isn't it? May- we will continue working with our international partners to safeguard Ukraine's territorial integrity and prevent further Russian aggression. Okay, this guy's always been like a joke mm-hmm. to a lot of people in the United States. Unless I've misread it. It's like no one has ever really taken him that serious. For a while, I think the ladies were all like, oh, Justin Trudeau. Well, yeah, he was so prime handy. minister boy band. Sort of thing. Uh, but now he's gone beyond irritating. He is. He's like the rich kid that just, he, ne- he needs a good beating. You know, just an attitude adjustment, that sort of thing. It's not like the Soviet but Union he, lined up a bunch of semis on the border. Golly, man. This and, and this is going to be something, too, when we have the convoy in the United States and what's going to happen here. Yeah. Because there's all, already talk of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah. The Pentagon is keeping tabs on it. And I would just say that if you're part of that convoy, I, I support you in yes. the protest because I think the federal vaccine mandate on transit and whatnot is crippling our economy, and it's not fair. Two things. Don't take the bait. If somebody starts saying, we're going into the Capitol, that's a Fed. Don't listen to them. Stay peaceful. Two, leave the Confederate flag at home, okay? Oh, if there's one, it, it might as well. there might as well be 70. Yes. Totally know where you're coming from there.
Oh, I need to, I guess I need to make something clear I just mentioned within the last couple of minutes. It's not just because Justin Trudeau is rich that he would need the beating. It's he's the snot-nosed, smart aleck, thinks he can get away with anything and pop off at any time, rich kid. That's why he deserves the... Is beating too harsh for some people? Not for me. A stern talking to is what some people used to call it. Good time out. Well, I mean, <laughs> you want to appeal to the left. He is also a raging racist. Yes, he is. Who did blackface so many times, he can't tell you how many times he did it. That's actually what he said when the blackface scandal happened. He goes, well, who, who keeps track of that kind of stuff? Yeah, another one came out, another one came out. I think we played that clip within the last couple of weeks. It's crazy. Meanwhile, another story out there, the Women's March. Um, still together, apparently. They've been complaining because women hold more student debt. Uh, student debt, I mean, the left, they want it erased, you know, already. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something that needs to happen. But it's even worse for the women. That's what they were saying. Um, so, you know, women hold $929 billion in student debt. Two-thirds of the nation's entire $1.7 trillion student debt load. This is gender injustice. Oh, my gosh. And the president needs to cancel student loan debt and put an end to this crisis. Um, the problem, one of many, they misstated the math in the tweet. The math is not quite right. Uh, nine hundred twenty-nine billion is fifty-four point six percent of one point seven trillion. It's closer to half than two-thirds. They rounded up really when they shouldn't have. <laughs> Just here to help, not to hurt. <laughs> not paying off any mathematic debt, huh? No. Mm-mm. Well, and then it was pointed out, uh, Daily Wire and others, um, the implications are also wrong. The tweet and the group's history is claiming that women victimhood, it's just unfair that they have so much debt. But actually, women are doing better than men when it comes to college debt because women make up 59.5% of all college students, right? Men make up 40.5%. That means while women make up almost 60% of the students, they hold just 54.6% of the debt. So they're actually doing better. Hmm. They kind of got that wrong, too. Mm Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, and then you probably know where the next part of that conversation goes. Women make less money. Yeah, dead Crisis. Even, even though a guy doesn't owe that much, give him that much just so it's equal? Well, they said women earn more degrees than guys, but they're still earning degrees that lead to lower-paying jobs. You know, nine of the top ten lowest-paying majors are dominated by women. Nine of the top ten highest-paying majors are dominated by men. So it depends on if you're going where the and money is or not. That that sounds like a personal problem, then, to me. Yes. Sexist! That sounds like you're not, you know, going into a field where you're going to really reap the, the full benefits of a college degree. Correct. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, okay. But victimhood is so popular right now. Well, it sells. It makes money. It's it's all that nonsense. And until one of these people starts talking about rating endowments of major universities in order to pay off student debt, they can't be taken seriously. Yeah. Well, 
one thing a lot of these ladies on the left can celebrate, though. There is a lady Jeopardy champ now <laughs> that did really well. Who's a dude. It's a dude. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Anyway, uh, moving on. There's an update on a story we talked about the other day from this crazy lady that's running for office, and she's at a slumber party, and things yeah. got out of control. Yeah, Abby Broyles is a Democrat running for Congress in Oklahoma. She got wasted at a tween slumber party, berated the children, and threw up in a laundry hamper. Now, initially, she denied that she was even at a party. But now she's come clean in an interview with KFOR in Oklahoma City, which used to be her employer, by the way. She was a reporter there. And then she got a law degree, and now she's in politics. Um, She says the slumber party was at a friend's house. So it's like, I've been over there a bunch of times, you know, No big deal there. So she went over. She brought some wine and some sushi. They had wine and sushi, and then they were watching a movie, and it went downhill from there. This is incredible. Okay, roll it. For years, I have struggled with stress and anxiety and insomnia. I took took the bar exam on two hours of sleep. I mean, this is how far this goes back for me, and she knows that. And she gave me a medication I had never taken before, and I had an adverse reaction. Instead of helping me sleep, I hallucinated, and I don't remember anything until I woke up or came to and I was throwing up in a hamper. I just remember opening my eyes and I had gotten sick in this hamper and I didn't know where I was. It was the most awful experience that I've had. Mm. So. So the excuse if you're keeping score at home is I didn't get hammered. I drank some wine and then took prescription pills that were not prescribed to me, which is way worse than if you had just, you know, accidentally maybe had a couple too many. But it was a friend. And I've known the friend and the friend knows me. And it's so uh, it's the friend's fault. (laughs) They gave it to me. Well, that's amateurish. I mean, Hunter Biden does that. He's fine. Right. Hunter Biden does that. He makes $10 million from China. Yeah. I mean, come on. You can't do that when you're a rank amateur. Now, now the yeah. initial story was in, was published by nondoc.com. She told that outlet she wasn't there, and in the KFOR interview, she denied that she ever denied it. Yeah, this is incredible. Wow. I was misquoted in the non-doc article. I never told him this was on a phone call, and I never told him that I wasn't there. I said it didn't happen because he was asking about these allegations, and I had no idea because, again, I don't remember this episode at all. Except the reporter who broke the story for non-doc.com allowed KFOR to listen to the taped interview, and she flat out denies being there. So that's a lie, but the campaign rolls on, just in case you're wondering. But she forgot about that, too. See, it was the the effects days later. Lingering effects of taking somebody else's drugs. Right. I'll be okay no matter what happens. But as far as this campaign, I'm never going to stop fighting for Oklahomans, whether it's in (laughs) this race or fighting for the cause some other way. These people just have no soul. Just keep fighting just your keep, way and just out use of the, the same story. line. All the, all fighting for the people of Oklahoma. And if elected, I will prescribe illegal drugs for everyone. News update straight ahead. Ah.
<laughs> oh, man. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. You know, one bad thing with having a lot of people in charge older than dirt, they can't remember where they're even talking about. Right. Heard this with Biden several times. Did it happen to somebody else too, David? Yeah, third in line. Oh, boy. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi talking about Ukraine. But I, apparently she refers to it as Hungary. Hmm. What? Hungary is a different country. Yeah, I don't correct. know. Just, just I know that not everybody is a is an expert in maps, but uh, that yes, it's a separate entity. Every, well, if you look at the map and you see Hungary, and you see how it is encircled, Russia, Belarus, Crimea, which they have taken over, but have you know it's still a danger now to Ukraine, and then you see Poland in the. There we go. Yes, there you go. You you know the thing. Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. Yeah, whatever. Get these old, out-of-gas, senile politicians out of my government. I'm begging you. Somebody younger than 100 lead the nation. Well, you know, a couple of things as far as challenges we face. If you were to say biggest threat, I mean, I've heard it, white supremacy. Please. Right. That, that's right up there. Or is it climate change? Global warming. It, it's one or the other. Usually yesterday, Peter Ducey from Fox asked Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary. Is that still the case? Here? The president said in the spring that Pentagon generals had briefed him that the greatest threat facing America is global warming. Is that still the assessment <laughs> now that we are facing down a potential cyber war with Russia? Well, I, I, let me first say there is no, uh, well, we are always prepared uh, for any threat that any outside entity or country poses to the United States that relates to cyber or anything else. There is no current pending threat on uh, as it relates to cyber. Uh, in terms of the threats no. you're, you're t- touching on, that was a briefing from... Yes, no pending threat. Yeah, <laughs> didn't we just get issued some sort of warning yesterday? What? I, no. Did we not forget about that big freaking pipeline that got shut down by, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, uh, hackers that may have just happened to be from the Russian area? Oh, that was a long time yeah. ago. I mean, currently, you know. Uh, the military, so I'd point you to them. And so as far as anybody watching who's seen the coverage, it's very, at times, distressing images of the Russian military movements. The number one threat facing the country right now remains global warming. Well, Peter, I, I think it's important as we're all educating the public here to convey yeah. and reiterate the president has no intention of sending U.S. troops into... Okay, so don't worry. <laughs> what? what? No, no troops in there. Right. Just sanctions, okay? It's, it, it, but I don't know why he doesn't take it serious. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, this is going to cost us for a while. What's going to happen to Ukraine? 
Well, I think you're starting to see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Um, just as a quick review of where we're at right now, David. Well, the president of the United States spoke yesterday. Yes. About what Vladimir Putin had to say to his people. Yes. And, and President Biden, a very strong and absolutely not senile president. Mm-hmm. Sharp. Uh, put Vladimir Putin on notice yesterday when it comes to invading Ukraine in in no uncertain terms. OK, Th- this is strong leadership on display. The world heard clearly the full extent of Vladimir Putin's twisted rewrite of history. Going back more than a century as he waxed eloquently, uh-huh. noting that, well, I'm not going to go into it. But- <laughs> I mean, that they're oh, relatives, boy. they're like all one people Yeah. with Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Yes. They're really all together. They mm-hmm. always have been. They're getting the band back together. Is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah that guy. And he, he waxed eloquently. Yes, he did. That's a new phrase. a little smoother. Yeah. Eloquently. That's, that's going in the Josetta Stone uh, mm-hmm. phrase book. Yeah. Okay, so we got some tough sanctions, okay, coming Putin's way. But we said we're not we're not interested in sending any troops in there. Right? That was I mean, we've heard that before from Jen Psaki. She said it again. The president has no intention of sending US troops into Ukraine to fight in Ukraine. Okay. So Putin knows that. He's known of possible sanctions. And I'm sure that he's weighed the cost. He doesn't care. That's pretty evident, isn't it? Peter well, Ducey yes. asked Jen Psaki, yeah. uh, clearly it's not working. What are we doing here? Three years ago, what sanction is going to stop them from doing that? Well, I, I think just to kind of reiterate maybe something you touched on there, for anyone who watched his speech last night, what he made clear in that speech is that he doesn't even necessarily or doesn't recognize the independence of Ukraine as a country. Uh, and that certainly gives us an indication of uh, where his intentions are at this point in time. Uh, sanctions can be a powerful tool. They have been in a lot of... Uh, moments throughout history and what we view them as uh, as or how we're viewing them as we're starting high as Dalip just conveyed uh, here uh, in terms of the significance right. and the severity of the sanctions let's just pause for a second yes. okay so we're not going in and I don't think anybody wants to go in no as far as you know the citizens of the country okay you've also tipped your hand to Putin we're not going in we got some sanctions. She also says, well, you if you heard him, you know how he views this, that Ukraine isn't it, even its own country. It's his, basically. So you know, yes, he's going to take it over. What else could it mean? But these sanctions, and this is what we do, we start high, see. Now, we're 40 seconds into this. We have a little less than a minute to go. And if you can figure out what she says in the next 45 seconds... As far as like a good game plan that, you know, sort of restores hope and a positive outlook on the days ahead, mm-hmm. you let me know. All right. Roll it. That were announced today. Uh, yes, our intention is to have a deterrent effect. And there are, uh, well, what they have done to date is completely uh, unacceptable. There are certainly far worse that could happen. What we want to do is prevent a large-scale invasion, death and destruction across Ukraine, devastation to the Ukrainian people. 
Hold on a second. You already said the way he views it. Ukraine isn't its own country. So isn't that what's going to happen? You'd think yes. You don't want that to happen, though. You're hoping it doesn't. Right. You also know so far the sanctions don't work. And that what happens with sanctions is they work over time. They're not an end. Uh, they're not intended to max out at the beginning. They're long-lasting and sustainable, and they're intended to squeeze. But if you look at what is happening now, what President Putin has stated as, as his intention. Okay, time out for a second. <laughs> so the sanctions are the long game. Right. Okay. But... I guess, but that only works if you don't have an actor like China swooping in and saying, well, we're going to help you out. Don't worry about it. Right. Or that Russia has, you know, stockpiles of cash from gas prices going through the roof. Anyway, go on, Jen. Is he wants to divide NATO. The opposite of that has happened, Peter. He also wanted to uh, a geopolitical project, Nord Stream 2, to go forward. That has not happened. He wants to make sure there is a, a vibrant economy for the Russian people. They're not on that track. So his intentions and his objectives are not playing out. Nor- okay. The- Tell me if I'm wrong here, because I'm not the military expert or an expert on world affairs. We know that Putin wants Ukraine back because he, he thinks it's theirs, yeah. Russia's. Okay, that's going to happen. But she's trying to twist this to say, but hey, you know, the, the Nord Stream, all right, that's not happening. <clears throat> okay. And, you know, he didn't want NATO together. Well, see, that's happening. And, and the economy. No, what he wants is Ukraine, and he's getting it. Your sanctions are not doing anything. Yeah, it, it almost seems to me that you're trying to say, Jen, hey, I know Afghanistan might have had, a, you know, a few glitches, but, man, greatest airlift in history. <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. That's your takeaway. Vladimir Putin's not getting what he wants here. Well, that's not true. Well, if it is the long game, then the first time troops arrived, this should have been put in place. If, it, in fact, it's a long game. That way the pressure would be applied early on. And maybe perhaps they'd already be feeling the results of a said, you know, embargo or lack of thereof of whatever you're trying to do in yeah. terms of squeezing them. But maybe you should have done this a long time ago if it does, in fact, take a long time to or, do. Or bare minimum, don't lift everything as soon as you take yes. office from Donald right. Trump. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, you could you and become could take dependent care- on the oil. Right. Because yeah. you could take care of the energy thing today. <laughs> you could take care of it today. You could start these. You could start these pipelines back up again. You can start the the manufacturing and drilling of oil in this country again, and you could solve these problems fairly quickly in terms of energy. Uh, you could tell Putin to go pound sand. We don't want your energy. I don't know if you saw this story. Switching gears, COVID infections have plummeted ninety percent from when it was at, yes. at its high. Yeah, which is good news. Very good news. It's not a surprise. A lot no. of people predicted it. Yeah, that's what happened with Omicron. That's what we see. Um, there is getting to be more uh, talk of the controversies that have surrounded the CDC. I bring that up to ask the question, do you think anything's going to happen? I mean, is someone finally going to get fired from this administration? Like Walensky, is she going to lose her job? Is someone finally going to kick Fauci out? Are we going to see this any- administration? No, there's no way. No, I don't think so. They won't do it. 
the game's over. Oh, I know it's over. Isn't it? Yes. People understand now the CDC is a joke. I mean, they're still on the mask thing with kids. Oh, yeah. They're still jackass school school boards. Yeah. They they have all the studies. They're not moving. It's the relinquishment of power. You have Democratic states saying, we're not waiting for the CDC anymore. We're moving forward. I mean, at some point in time, you have to realize you've lost the trust of the American people. We have to make changes. They're not going to do it? Man. Well, we're seeing the long-term results of your decisions now. Yes. I mean, we're seeing what you've done to children. We're seeing what you've done to the economy. You ever heard of the Rockefeller Foundation Pandemic Prevention Institute? You have not? No. They flat out said the CDC is a political organization as much as it is a public health organization. Oh. And a lot of this is, is coming out because of the New York Times finally did some reporting. Yeah. Well, and that's been clear ever since, I mean, Fox News was reporting this a year ago almost, that the CDC was working in concert with teachers unions, with special interest groups, in order to craft what the science was. Yes. Well, and if that's the thing, if you're not paying attention to a lot of different news organizations, or at least not just legacy or left-leaning news, if you would have known the landscape at the time, it would have been easy to see the CDC recommends something, the teachers union has a meeting, and then the CDC does a 180 mm-hmm. in favor of the teachers union, not the yes. science. I mean, that should have been the eye-opener for everybody at that time, and it wasn't. I can remember saying about a year and a half ago that it's it seems as if the far left doesn't want this to end. And I took a beating for that. I know. How dare you say that? <laughs> you know, oh, my God, people went out of their minds. Right. Because I felt like as long as they could perpetuate this and instill fear into people, then they'll be able to control them. And then all of a sudden you had some people starting to think for themselves and go, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense anymore. Well, and one of the things that the CDC did, and a lot of people understand this now, they would just sort of cherry pick different parts of research that they had that would support whatever argument they wanted. Now, that wouldn't show you anything to the alternative or wouldn't tell you about it. So they first put out the main data on boosters in adults younger than 65 a few weeks ago, but didn't include figures for 18 to 49-year-olds. How is that possible? Since they're the least likely group to need a booster, some are like, hey, that's suspicious. Yeah. So then you had experts then have to use figures from Israel to then provide advice on the boosters. The CDC's Kristen Nordland, the spokesperson, said, well, I've been slow to put out the different data because basically at the end of the day, it's just not ready for prime time. Well, they're making, yeah. they're making policy decisions based off of this, though. Yes. yes. I mean, yes. healthcare workers got fired during a pandemic because they didn't get this vaccine. That That's data right. is rather important. Yes. So the game should be up. And I don't know how long it's going to be. And I'll bet you anything. We, I think I couldn't even get somebody to bet on this. The Fauci won't be there by the end of the year because he's going to retire. Man, one thing I think we'd all love to see is what, David, you've proposed before, yeah. and that is like a jury-style hearing. I, I, I want a show trial. 
even if nothing comes out of it. I'm not talking about jail time. I'm not talking about anything. I want people brought forth to tell people why they made certain decisions and hold their feet to the fire, actually. And I don't think it should be lawmakers because those idiots are too busy making their own stupid little speeches right. to actually get down to it. I don't care. I don't want any. I don't want anybody in Congress involved in this. It's, it's too important. I want researchers from Johns Hopkins. I want researchers from what Stanford. People yes. who have been pushing yeah. back against this, who aren't exactly like Bob's Knowledge World epidemiologists. They're, respe- mm-hmm. they're people at respected institutions. I want them to be able to speak the same language as, or with their ability to speak the same language as all of these people who have completely turned our country into, into dust. Mm-hmm. I want them to hold them accountable. I'm David Van Camp, and I approve this message. Van Camp for Senate. I'd vote for him based just on that. Absolutely. I'm in. I'm in show right trials now. for Fauci. Van Camp, 22. And then a show trial for this New York professor. Uh, yeah, I'd give priority to non-white folks. Okay. Can you explain yourself, please? We'll get to that story. And much more coming up right here. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. It's just something crazy every single day in education. I mean, pretty much anything, especially education, it seems like right now. Mm-hmm. New York professor has been called out. This is a sociology professor uh, that stated in the syllabus, the syllabus for a class that the class would try to, quote, give priority to non-white folks. Okay. The class discussion guidelines section of Anna Maria Candela's Social Change Introduction to Sociology Syllabus instructs white male students to wait their turn to speak after non-white folks talk. Okay? All right. Hey, not t- not your turn yet. Okay, got it. I'll be sitting quietly over here waiting <laughs> for my white turn. Um, apparently, the whole thing opens with a quotation from, well, the communist Chinese dictator, Mao. He killed 45 million people. And besides that. Um, This is kind of crazy. Silva says the quote by the communist Chinese dictator uh, is a bit harsh, but helps convey the idea that speaking during class discussions should be based on having done your investigative work. Silva says that students should complete class readings and discuss them in an insightful and informed way. (laughs) You got that? Yeah, okay. Um, so say it's like you, Scott, or you, yeah, David, yes. you're white, you got your hand up. Yeah. I, I got something to say here. No, not your turn. Okay, it's time for you to take a back seat. Hmm. Uh, because you've been privileged by the racial and gender structures of our society. And so your voice has been easily heard forever. So we're going to ask you to hold off on your questions or comments and give others priority. And we'll come back to you maybe a little bit later on. And the syllabus goes on to say, our experience with this practice is that within little time, 
those who feel most privileged to speak begin to take the initiative to hold space for others who feel less comfortable speaking first, while those who tend to be more silenced in our society grow more comfortable speaking. As you can imagine, it has tremendous benefits for our society as a whole when we learn to hold space and listen to others whose voices are typically disregarded and silenced. Um, I guess this is my privilege talking right here. Mm-hmm. What I've noticed in groups of people, different races, genders, different people have different personalities. And just because you may be a minority or female doesn't usually keep you from talking and speaking your mind. Just something I've noticed anecdotally. Well, so Am I, I the only one? No, I have two, anecdotally. Yes. Mm-hmm. Didn't know that yeah, was... I've never been anywhere where they said, nope, you don't look like us. You can't talk. Well, and some of the students are like, are you kidding me? How am I supposed to get a full participation when the professor won't call on me, even though I've had my hand up the longest? Exactly. The person said it's embarrassing, pretty embarrassing that I pay tuition to a school that has a class with that syllabus. It's not embarrassing. It makes you an idiot. Right. Yeah. No, if you walk into a class and that's it and they're prioritizing people based on race, whichever way it goes... When they're explicitly saying we are giving certain students um, extra attention because of their race or whatever, or extra privileges because of their race. The responsible thing to do is to walk out of that classroom and unenroll from that school. That school should not get another dime of yours. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. I mean, I stood up for less, that's for sure. I thought the classes were too long to get me to Sukasa because it was Taco Tuesday, half-price pitchers. But that's another story for another time. Right. Those old classes. And then did you have another update you want to get to now, David, or wait? Uh, i got to wait a little bit. I'm still digging for one more piece of audio here. Okay. Problem. Um one other thing, you mentioned it before, Scott, that the Olympics was a ratings disaster. Disaster. It is now officially lowest on record. It was a tank job. It was completely tank job. You know, sometimes you feel to yourself like, boy, I'm not, I feel nothing. I feel no mojo. Yeah. Nothing on this thing. I mean, just dealing with people day in and day out. Nobody was talking about it. Nobody said they watched it. Nobody was like, hey, man, you got to watch tonight. None of that. And I thought, well, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me in the circle of people I know. And then you see the numbers, you realize, no, that's a reflection of America as a whole. I mean, nobody cared. Nobody cared. And well, if they did care, they weren't going to watch. They're calling it now a tainted brand. Well, it is. I agree. <laughs> I 100% agree. Happens. All right, news update, one you don't want to miss from Mr. Van Camp next. Robin Show, Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We're going to feel pain. Yeah. The wallet is going to cost us some money. Yeah. Talking about Russia, Ukraine. God, that scares me. But yeah, I mean. mean well, because for him to, to admit it, 
To say something like that means it's like doubly going to be bad. Yeah. Biden's saying it. Yeah. He said it. I heard him say it. Yes. The practical effect of sanctions on Russia is sanctions on the U.S. Okay. Cool. Uh, President Biden has put new sanctions in place against Russia, and this conflict is going to inflict pain on our country as well, especially with gas prices, which has, you know, the trickle-down effect essentially to everything because if diesel and unleaded go up, well, what has to fuel trucks that are mm-hmm. taking items from point A to point B? Sure. Yeah. I talked to a buddy of mine this morning with his truck. That's 100 bucks per fill-up now. Oof. No joyrides. Holy moly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the president, he said, hey, we got to acknowledge this, okay? And okay. he did. Defending freedom will have cost for us as well and here at home. We need to be honest about that. But as we will do, but as we do this, I'm going to take robust action to make sure the pain of our sanctions is targeted at a Russian economy, not ours. Well, then how are you going to do that? I mean, all this pie-in-the-sky rhetoric nonsense, they never give any details on how this is going to get done. They just say it. I just, it, it makes me crazy. I know. Give me specific details on how we're not going to feel that pain. They're going to. Well, you just uh, said it. I mean, you, obviously, you've got some kind of sketchy idea how that's going to work, right? The other part of that, too. Defending freedom will have cost. It's interesting. Because hmm. there's a lot of times you could be defending freedom around the globe. Nah, I don't care about that. I don't care about that. This is a little different. By the way. jeez. Uh, <laughs> you want to keep rolling, Scott? God, I can't. I just... I'm so sick of this stuff. We're going to take measures. You know, our, we're going to take measures, specific measures, and you never know what they are. Yeah. Well, and, and the crazy part to me, and I, I'm not advocating for this one way or the other. Well, no, I, I am advocating against it. But the idea that they just automatically take American military out of the equation with yeah. Ukraine, we are not yeah. going to send troops into Ukraine. That's right. That's what he said. Now, ultimately, I think that's the right call. No, we should not be sending people over there to die for Ukraine. No. But what is the ultimate deterrent when you know economic sanctions can be basically wiped away because China is bankrolling Russia? Why <laughs> Why would you take that off the table? It's the wild card that, shoot, they might. And that's... Another example of why I miss Donald Trump Trump so much is something I just remembered. It was from the campaign trail in 2015 when he was asked about using nuclear weapons by Chris Matthews, who used to work at MSNBC. He was doing a town hall on MSNBC and was asking, hey, when would you use nuclear weapons? Would you do that, Donald Trump? And there's the total wild card factor here on full display. Oh, my gosh. You sent me that clip, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes, I have it. Let me explain. Somebody hits us with an ISIS. You, you wouldn't fight back with a no. Nuclear. To drop a nuclear weapon into a community no, no, of people. But you can't that... say. First of all, you don't want to say take everything off the table. No, just you're nuclear. A negotiator, if you do just that. nuclear. Look, nuclear should be off the table. But would there be a time when it could be used? Possibly. Okay, the trouble is when you Possibly. said that, the whole world heard David Cameron in Britain heard it. The Japanese, where we bombed them in 45, they're hearing a guy running for president of the United States talking of maybe using nuclear weapons. Nobody wants to hear that well, about then, an American then president. Why are we making 
seen them. Why do we make them? We have because of the old mutual assured destruction, which Reagan hated. Just so trying to get rid of. I was against Iraq. I'd be the last one to use the nuclear weapons. So can you take it off the table that's now? Sort of like the end can of the you tell This is fascinating. Yeah. I forgot wow. about this. And that's it. Do you remember our media? Oh, dude, flipping out. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> he talked about this guy. But, but it's. But true. that was the wild card. But it, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. Why? What he said was, well, why do we keep making them if we're not talking about using them? Sort of like right. if we're taking it completely off the table, then what's the point? That part is true. The end of Can the you tell game. the Middle East we're not using a nuclear weapon? I would never say that. I would never take any of my cards off the table. How about Europe? We won't use it in Europe. I, I'm not going to take it off the table. You might use it in Europe? I, no, I don't think so. But well, I'm not just taking, say it. I'll never use a nuclear weapon not, in Europe. I am not taking cards off the table. I'm not going to use nukes, okay. but I'm not taking any okay. cards the off trouble the table. Is, <laughs> <laughs> I remember, like, the next day he went on Fox News. Eric Bowling was still working at Fox News, and he was filling in for Bill O'Reilly. And, boy, all three of the people that I just brought up uh, don't work at Fox News anymore Mm-mm, or MSNBC. Nope. Anyway, um, and he said, but but Europe, you would nuke Europe? because well, Europe's a big place, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's what he said. Well, you, you never know what's going to happen. You don't right. think so. In your lifetime, you couldn't even really imagine it. But there's been crazier things that have happened in the world. So to his point, why would you take it off the table? Right. You know who took it off the table and now somewhat regrets it? At mm. least you could make that argument. Well, it's Ukraine. I don't know if you saw this piece. The, their foreign minister is doing an interview, you know, talking about a number of different things. And he brought up something that I thought was pretty interesting in this interview. He's talking about Biden, the White House, and, you know, all of the United States history with Ukraine um, saying, you know, Ukraine abandoned the third largest nuclear arsenal in the world for security guarantees promised by the United States. That was in 94, the Budapest memorandum. So, hey, we, you know, in essence, we took the nukes away. Yeah. You said you'd protect us. Where are you at? And I know Biden said, well, we're going to, you know, right. supply weapons and everything else. Well, yeah. They're I mean, also saying, yeah, could you speed that up? Because they're right here. <laughs> right. They're, the Russians are right here right now. They're in the country right now. So we should do that. Well, don't don't worry, guys, because Joe Biden is on it. You know what he's about to employ. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Right. <laughs> Whatever that is. <laughs> it's on the way. That is on the way. This is not. The president has no intention of sending U.S. troops into Ukraine. Okay. But he has, what was it again? Yes, well, it's it's this. That he's... I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Yes. True yes. Pressure. pressure. That's right. Okay. Thanks for that. We wonder why this is happening. I mean, <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> going to be okay man we're going to get through this gosh it's like a like a lot of other things we are going to get through this okay mm-hmm. uh probably heard talk about the u.s trucker convoy yeah i have heard talk about this. various yeah. stages of where it is right yeah. now yeah um did you hear the congressman from arizona say so i'll tell you what to do did you hear this already no i haven't heard this. no 
um, any of these uh, trucks that are on their way to D.C. seize those trucks. No, oh boy. You can give them to growing businesses. No. Oh, you can't do that. No, you can't, you can't do that. You can't just steal somebody's truck because you don't agree with them politically. I mean, that's you one thing. You can't do that. That's one thing, like, if we're off air and we're just popping off to one another and you want to say something like that, which in this case we wouldn't say that. No, no not that. But just, I'm just talking about popping off in general. Mm-hmm. But you're going to say that as a congressman? Seize the trucks? Wow. Okay. So you're on the side of Justin Trudeau, obviously. Yeah. You just shut people down. You don't want a real democracy. You don't want people to be able to express their opinions. And you want their property taken. If they seize it. Right. Yeah. Now, now, now the moment a convoy of truckers starts burning down buildings and killing people, right. then we'll have that talk. But, I, I mean, but if they're parked somewhere, no. Congressman Gallego from Arizona. Yeah, this is getting some some headlines. We're saying something that stupid. Boy, there were different people, man. They were, you know, as you would say, Scott, piling on, going after him. Um, man, one actor said, "Why don't you just murder them like a good communist?" <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. That's the end of this line, by the way. I mean, mm-hmm. will your distribution of wealth be done at gunpoint? Siding with foreign dictators. Wow. Um, you know, this, sometimes I hesitate to bring any sort of, you know, sports story unless it transcends, you know, because some of us, you know, follow sports world more than others. Has anyone heard of the trouble that Phil Mickelson has gotten himself into? I did. And I don't know if I clearly understand what happened here or what he was advocating for. Okay. For a long time, I'll try to make a long story short. Greg Norman, the shark from Australia, yeah. has talked about like a world golf league. It never really got any traction at all. The PGA Tour is where most of the best players in the world play, right? Yeah. But Phil Mickelson has felt like, you know, the players just don't get enough. Which, you know, I think any league could, you know, do things maybe a little better. But a lot of the other players have looked at Phil as like, well, greedy in for himself sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's looked to do this deal with Saudi Arabia for this sort of world golf league. And different players have been asked about it constantly over the last couple of months because Mickelson did an interview saying, yeah, and I got some players I'm going to be taking with me. We'll just go over there. We'll take all our money and all our skills over there. Well, slowly but surely, um, different players started speaking out saying, no, I'm not going to be a part of this. I don't want any, you know any part of this at all and now he's had to walk it all back he is looking probably the worst he's ever looked in his career right now and then it got leaked out what he said about saudi arabia which is wild and this is the part that i thought would really be interesting to you he said about saudi arabia well yeah they're scary mother bleepers to get involved with (laughs) they killed khashoggi and have a horrible record on human rights. Remember the Washington Post reporter? Yeah. Mal Khashoggi? Mm-hmm. They, execute, they execute people over there for being gay. Knowing all this, why would I even consider it? Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to reshape how the PGA Tour operates. Holy smokes. 
Whoa, jeez. <laughs> You have no self-awareness when you say that. It's astounding. Golly. I know they throw gay people off buildings and they kill reporters, but, you know. But golf. But golf, for crying out loud. Well, they've been able, he's saying the tour has been able to get away with manipulative, coercive, strong-arm tactics because we, the players, had no recourse. I mean, the tour commissioner is a nice guy, but unless you have leverage, he won't do what's right. Wow. And the Saudi money has finally given us that leverage. Because I'm not even sure I want this league to succeed, but just the idea of it is allowing us to get things done with the PGA Tour. So it's about him raking in more, basically. And got caught in that. The other thing is, if you are going to do that deal and then it comes out, you called them scary MFers and talked about, yeah, they killed Khashoggi. (laughs) And they throw gay people off buildings? Yes. Yeah. Now he's had to walk it back and say, uh, I am so ashamed of myself. Um, I need to just take some time away and work on being the man I want to be. Jeez. It's something, man. Wow. The greed. Um, How many people, real quick, do you think in America feel like they can cook as well as a professional chef? The percentage? Yes. Mm. Uh, 30%. I'll go 45%. It's 63%. Mm. <laughs> we had over 50% of people think they could be in the Winter Olympics. And cook. I used to think it was just the left that was not dealing with reality. How many citizens are not in reality <laughs> right now? Okay. News update at MSNBC. Something you got to hear next. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Uh, yesterday, Scott, you mentioned, we talked about this story, of Kyle Rittenhouse. Yeah. He is going to be going after anyone that called him a white supremacist, called him a murderer. Yep. Famed him in any sort of way. Yep. Like a lot of lawsuits, going to throw everything at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Yep. And so he's doing an interview about this. And one of the questions we brought up yesterday was... Well, remember, LeBron James said some nasty things about Kyle Rittenhouse. I wonder if that's somebody who he's talking about. And that actually came up in the interview. What are your plans for LeBron James? <laughs> He'll be getting a letter, too. LeBron James will be getting a letter, too. Anybody who defamed me or lied about me, we're just going to send them a letter and then deal with them in a courtroom. We're going after everybody. Good, Bronny. Wow. Ronnie can sit outside the courtroom and read his biographies and wait for his turn. What do you mean, read his biographies? Well, he likes to sit down and be pictured with a book that he's really not reading, but likes to pontificate about reading, although it never really happens. It just looks good holding it in his hands with a picture taken. Oh, get the Malcolm X one. Right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Remember when he tried to explain what he was reading? Yeah, somebody asked him, like, what are you liking so much about this book? Or what do you like the most about this book so far? Mm-hmm. It's just incredible that that I read this book. It is words that are, and I get to read it. Right. Yeah, I'm 
It was like Kamala Harris explaining what she's doing right now. Yes. It just like goes David around said, in bad circles. book report. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then when Rittenhouse, remember when he was crying, he was upset on the stand? Yeah. And LeBron James said, what tears? I didn't see one. Man, knock it off. That boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, Bronnie, time's come. Yeah. Get ready. If you, if you want to have fun, I do have the LeBron sharing his thoughts on Malcolm X's oh, no, you don't. Audio, yeah. autobiography. Yes. What a great save yes. that is. Yes. All right, let's Here go. That's awesome. But just a very, um, very smart man. Very, very, very smart man. And basically, um, him understanding the, um, how powerful um, the Negro can be. He used that word a lot. How powerful we are. Um, and uh, just a very powerful minded uh, gentleman. And it's, it's unbelievable to, to kind of read something that's coming directly from him. Um, just hate. Um, wish I had an opportunity to meet him. Obviously, we know what, what, what the situation happened among not only him, but Dr. Martin Luther King, some of the greats that's ever walked this uh, face of the earth, not only just here in America, but in uh, this face of the earth. So. Yes. Very specific. Obviously, right? somebody mm-hmm. who has totally read yeah, a book. Read that book. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeez. Well, hasn't that ever happened to you? I mean, you're reading, you know, autobiography, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, you're just stopped right in your tracks, and you realize the man that wrote this, these are his words. <laughs> and there's such power right. in that. <laughs> Yes. Just unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Well, what's unbelievable I, about that? I just wish he I, wrote the book. I just, I'm just so sad that Ben Franklin's not alive today. <laughs> hmm. Me too. <laughs> the man who invented the mullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! The Markley Van Camp and Robin Show. Are you ready? Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, and Scott Robbins. We just become best friends. Yep. Making sense of it all. Now I get it. And having some fun. Lighten up, Francis. This is the Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. The Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Okay, I don't know where you want to start, David. I know you got an update. We've got to get to this MSNBC take about Russian aggression is to be blamed on Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. Scott, I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. The, the fact that Russia is invading Ukraine <laughs> apparently is the fault of Donald Trump, who placed sanctions on Russian officials. And tried to block the building of that major pipeline into Europe. And also supplied weaponry to Ukraine in order to fight potential Russian aggression. But apparently... He was was Putin's puppy, I thought. That's what we've heard. But this is MSNBC's Malcolm Nance has a background in in foreign policy and espionage and all that kind of stuff. 
Oh. Look, he's an autocrat. I said that when he became president, Putin's strategy was to create an axis of autocrats. And Trump was oh. the American wing, which was supposed to reposition the United States and allow Europe to become a vassal area of the of of of, a, of an expanded Russia. This is just Donald Trump validating what we know about him. He's anti-democratic. He is ready to give this country away. And he was ready to do that when Paul Manafort was on his staff who worked for the previous pro-Moscow dictator in this country which who was kicked out in a in a progressive democratic uh, revolution. Oh, hold on a second. Mentally ill. Good Lord. So today, the reason Vladimir Putin yes. is guiding Russia into Ukraine, invading, really is because Trump aided him. He supplied that wing of the force that Putin needed. But even though Trump gave Ukraine weapons yes. and made things more difficult for Russia, he was still working in concert with Putin. Yes. That is one heck of a trick, man. That's just <laughs> that, wild. That is that is fifty seven dimensional chess right there, man. man, oh man. Wow, and he's not even done yet. Look, this is going to get bloody. Donald Trump is going to be responsible for a lot of it. I mean he extorted this country with the anti tank missiles. They need now to defend themselves. All I know is we haven't given Ukraine enough Javelin missiles here uh, to really uh, stop what's coming. But if we do, well, maybe this whole thing can be reversed a bit. Trump gave them the weapons. Biden pressed pause on supplying the weapons. Again, I, I'm not sure how many dimensions deep we are in conspiracy theory chess, but it makes no sense. And this is actually somebody who has a prominent role in, well, what Americans are supposed to make of this whole thing. Oh, come on, man. I mean, you get, you know, John Kirby up there. He's going to explain it? It's just running in circles and making excuses for things and not really being straight with people. Jen Psaki does the same thing. This is a heck of a crew. I Honestly, I still don't know what the heck that dude was talking about. How that could be Trump's fault. He didn't give him the weapons, or he did? Or did he give him the weapons, but it was the wrong ones? No, he gave him the weapons. Well, yeah. You get what I'm saying? What? Look, this is going to get bloody. Donald Trump is going to be responsible for a lot of it. I mean, he extorted this country with the anti-tank missiles. They need now to defend themselves. What? Okay. Hmm. Listen, man, I look over at David. David looks at me, and if you got that look in your eye that says, I can't explain that to you, man. No, I got nothing. Then I know it's done. Okay. No, that, that's, that's, a, that's an illness. That is an illness. That's a mental illness. Yes. Okay. Do you want to go on to the uh, trucker convoy in America, or did you want to get your update now? No, we'll do the, the trucker convoy in America. Okay. Here, because there's apparently a big trucker convoy in America inspired by the vaccine mandate protest in Canada. Now, the Pentagon is involved in tracking this right now. Nothing else going on in the world. So they're going to focus on big rigs. Uh, and barricades are going up around the Capitol. The National Guard is going to be there. And, you know, in the immediate area of the Capitol, if you're talking about, you know, the State of the Union address, yeah, mm -hmm. that seems wise. I'm okay with that. 
you want to make sure that you're prepared if anything happens. I think that should be standard operating procedure. But it's fascinating to me that in this instance right now with, with truckers, this is apparently this, like, level alert <laughs> that is getting sent out. We're really worried about this. Um, now, here's the White House press secretary being asked about it. Is the president concerned at all about the convoy of truckers that's making its way to Washington? And is it taking any sort of steps to protect us? Yes, we've actually been um, been monitoring uh, this closely. The Department of Homeland Security and the administration are tracking reports of a potential convoy that may be planning to travel to several U.S. cities, including Washington, D.C. We have been working, including from uh, Dr. Lisherwood Randall here, as well as our Homeland Security Department, with closely with our federal, state, and local partners to continuously assess the threat environment and keep our communities safe. We're going to be assessing this thing. Yeah. Here we go again with more assessment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, And I saw the story with National Guard. Hey, you know, going to keep the whole thing safe, whatever it takes. Mention the National Guard at the southern border. <laughs> Breaking norms. Yeah, norms would be shattered in that case. Listen, the stats from January was that 150,000 people came through the southern border illegally and that are now in the country. We don't know who they are. We don't know what they're capable of. Could be they're just looking for a better life. The thing is, we don't know. 150,000. Mm-hmm. This has happened month after month after month since Biden took over with no end in sight. Isn't that a problem that we need to address or is that just something we pick up every two to three weeks? Uh, is that still happening? Yep, sure is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the second mm-hmm. one, Jamie. Yeah. That's that's the plan right now. People still coming right through. Yeah. yeah. No matter where you're at in America, probably coming to a town near you at least an hour away before too long. Because you've got people here illegally being flown to different parts of America in the middle of the night all over the place. Yeah. But, and man, like, these truckers in this convoy. Right. National Guard. <laughs> they're, they're outfitting a bunch of FBI personnel with trucker hats and teaching them how to drive a stick right now. <laughs> right. We have yeah. to infiltrate the convoy. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. Uh, what's the news update? Oh, I, well, I just think it's interesting as we're talking about, you know, Russia. We're talking about the global balance of power being at risk, people's freedoms being taken away here in Canada, et cetera. And a lot of the people who are driving the decision-making at the end of the day, they gather every year for something called the World Economic Forum. Uh, Justin Trudeau in Canada was heavily promoted mm-hmm. by this group of people that they they see themselves as a step above everybody else in the world. It's people that own big companies. Yeah. It's the elite. Yes, the exactly. The big money of the world. It's like a club. Mm-hmm. And, and this clip keeps making the rounds, um, and it is doing so again, and it is from an address at the World Economic Forum about the problem that the elite face right now. Because oh, people just don't, don't trust them. At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world trust each other more and more so we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in 
every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. Oh, isn't that a shame? The founder of this thing, you know, he had the book two years ago, The Great Reset. Yeah. And if you say that in some circles, it'll be like, conspiracy! Oh, great Reset! Every year they put a different name on it. Their big get-together, right? Yeah. And that was the name in 2020. You know, sort of like this pandemic. Hey, well, we got a chance here to reset things. You know, make it better for <clears throat> everybody, all the people. Mm-hmm. Meaning us. The billionaires. The elite. And how can we do that? Because it's like, you know, much about a world economy. That's what's talked about a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, uh, I can grab this. Uh, fairly soon, but if you really want to get freaked out, go back to a keynote address uh, about four years ago about the plan to hack society through the collection of data. Mm-hmm. If you want to get freaked out, I can play that for you. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> it wouldn't be a oh. good day if I don't get freaked out at least three times. You all right, Scott? No, I'm really. I, I'm just. I'm just sitting here absorbing all of this, and I'm. <laughs> You know, your mind starts to play weird games on yourself after a while. You start to hear this great reset and the elite and and all these things. You think to yourself, well, what way could you you do that quickly and immobilize a lot of people is through a pandemic or a health crisis of some kind. Yes. And... See, then you start thinking, okay, well, how did this how did this whole COVID thing really start? Well, it happened in a lab in Wuhan. Yeah. By the way, even European officials now. I don't know yeah. if you saw that news yeah. that came out today. I mean, it's it's kind of like common knowledge. That's what happened. But yeah, wait, it, they, it, in front of cameras, they still might say, well, we're not exactly sure. Yeah. This but pan- it's a known thing. It came from that lab in Wuhan. This pandemic has not affected the lifestyle of the elite one iota. No, they well, continue to do whatever it is they want to do during the whole thing. It it has affected them, but in the plus column. Yes. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm just getting some money. Oh, yes, I thought you were going to argue with me there for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. No, you're right. I mean, you yes. see, you see this every single. Did you see the New Orleans mayor? Yes. Singing and dancing and had you know, just said about masks right. and how important they are. Lock everything. Yeah, again, you have to have mask on. Go to Mardi Gras. Everywhere you go, has to have a mask. Yes, it's it's and the police are gonna you know arrest you if you don't. And then you'll it's be the fine. mayor's Mardi Gras party. Yeah, where they're dancing and they're she's lip syncing like a member of the Supremes on a stage or whatever. I mean, it's yes. it's insanity. <laughs> it's the Obama's birthday party on Martha's Vineyard. I mean, yeah. Right. It started to... with Nancy Pelosi getting her hair done when no one else could. That was the first time I remember it being like. And then it went to that dopey governor of California, Newsom. Newsom. Yeah. And then the mayor of Chicago. It's gone and on. on and on and on it goes. Well, Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, she was in yeah. there first with the haircut. Oh, that's yeah. true, the haircut. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. But I you, mean, your brain starts to go, wait a minute. What would it, What would bring the people to their knees except the elite? What would do that? I know, a great pandemic would do it. I was thinking, what would Lori Lightfoot look like without a haircut? Our Garfunkel. might be better. News update straight ahead.
All right. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. <laughs> a new story got sent to us by a friend of ours um, from KGET. I, I didn't realize this, but U-Haul, different companies, moving companies, mm-hmm. are cha- uh, charging people in California $2,500 more to rent their trucks from California to Texas, like in Austin. Mm-hmm than, say, from Austin to California. Wow. Do you know why? Because there's more of them bailing out of California? Supply and demand. There are so many people leaving California that there's an overflow of trucks ending up in Austin. That makes sense. And so the prices are to help better balance that. Wow. Man. I understand why. It's wild, man. Um, Okay, David, you... Had a piece of audio that we should play. You would set this up maybe five minutes ago or so. Yeah. If you want to reintroduce yeah, that, I'll, I'm going to grab the clip. All right, I'll do that. It, it, we'll we'll call this a great reset of of the topic here. Yes. Um, so, a lot of times, if you pay attention to what the elites are talking about at the World Economic Forum, Davos, other places. Uh, you start to feel like you're a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist until you remember these are actually people who are helping to shape the world and leading the world, and they want more power. And they can get things done. So it's not actually a conspiracy theory. It may just be a conspiracy, (laughs) like like an honest-to-God conspiracy of the elites getting together to figure out how to not only shape the geopolitical landscape, but also shape humanity and life itself. And this is a clip that's making the rounds again in light of the whole pandemic, Great Reset, all of that. It's actually from 2018 about the idea of transforming humans by hacking them. Okay. Oh, Daddy. (laughs) To paint the picture, Robin's eyes just got... Oh, Big man. As saucers roll it. Now, how exactly will the future masters of the planet look like? This will be decided by the people who own the data. Because we've reached the point when we can hack human beings and other organisms. Oh, God. Now, what do you need in order to hack a human being? But control of data might enable human elites to do something even more radical than just build digital dictatorships. Okay, just a quick timeout. So I'm taking this serious, and I'm listening to what he has to say, and at the same time, not try to bust a gut laughing, because Robbins is truly on the edge. It's going to be all right, man. It's going to be okay. Hacking you. Yeah, I mean, people can kind of program your brain. I think of it as a kid. I mean, dude... You put them into school and teach them a load of garbage, that's what they're going to learn. You know what I'm saying? Well, just listen to what he has to say here. It's going to be all right. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. Science is replacing Evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design. Uh Not the intelligent design of some god above the clouds, but our intelligent design Uh and the intelligent design of our clouds 
the IBM cloud, the Microsoft cloud, these are the new driving forces of evolution. Okay. The man's got to start coming to town. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Hacking's bad. Yeah, hacking's bad. <laughs> uh, well, dude, it's whoever controls the information. Right. Honestly, and I mean this, it's one of the things that is the scariest thing I see is that our legacy media controls the narrative. And we know it's not the truth. But there are millions of people that consume it every day and believe what they're told. And, I mean, you can blame the people for doing that. Some people just don't know. I mean, they haven't taken the red pill yet. They just believe what they're being told, and they're believing a lie. I mean, is there anything scarier than that right now? No. Well, and that's, you know, what he's getting at is the collection, the mass collection of individual data. You know, I know people thought I was a kook years ago talking about how Facebook is tracking you, how Facebook is gathering every bit of information they can. Because yeah. it's about being able to not only sell you as a product to advertisers, but it is also about learning and manipulating your personal behavior. That's the goal. Why do you think China is gathering all that information about America's kids via TikTok. Seriously, get yeah. your kid off of TikTok <laughs> right now, today. Without. Do it. Yeah. Yep. Thank you very much, David. Appreciate it. <laughs> I'm not sold on your whole truth social thing either, Don. All right. All that stuff's a bit scary. I had somebody try to get on that the other night. They said they're in line, like yeah. they're number 3,400 or something. Yeah, to get in early, you had to have an invite. It's like... Packer tickets. Scott Robbins. Yeah. Top three stories of the day. The trifecta. Straight ahead right here. The Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. We're going to get through this. It's craziness. Uh, Whether it's the Great Reset or everybody's being reprogrammed, whatever it might be, it's going to be all right. And the president's going to get his handle on the situation in Ukraine, okay? In Ukraine. I mean, it's going to be Iraq, <laughs> Afghanistan. Well, one, one of those. Yeah, one of them. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. I mean, the way you see it right now, a quick update on Russia invading Ukraine. This isn't going to stop anytime soon. No. The sanctions don't matter to Putin. No, they don't. It is putting the Soviet Union back together. Yeah. So I guess we can keep talking about sanctions, but it's not going to do a whole lot. No. No, it certainly doesn't. And as they've said, as far as the White House, well, it's, it's the long game there. It's going to hurt them in the long run. Hmm. Okay. By the way, is this one of those things now where you also have to say, uh, I'm not for going in there with troops, just to be clear. I'm not saying that. Every once in a while, if you don't give your full opinion right, on something, exactly. someone will fill it in for you. Yeah. As I think you learned early on, Scott. Yes, I did. You had to say every time, I'm not 
anti-vaccine. No, I had to say that. Yeah, I mean, I did. Because it was like, you anti-vax nut jobs <laughs> killing people. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Any other update from there before we get to uh, Scott Robbins' trifecta, David? Ned Price oh. is uh, is out there. State Department spokesman. Uh, okay, I have a hard time with Ned. Do you, do you want to hear a sampling it. of it? Yeah, I can make a prediction. I haven't heard it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a bunch of these high-minded words from a guy like Ned that has no teeth to it whatsoever. That's my prediction. Well, it's Matt Lee from the Associated Press is on the case again, asking Ned Price about oh. Nord Stream 2. That's the big pipeline that's going into Germany that yes. Biden gave the green light to and now is saying, oh, wait, no, we're putting sanctions on the people behind that project to try to stop it. Okay. Then to set the picture, if you're not familiar, Matt Lee is an old school reporter from the yeah, AP. Yeah. One of the, what did you say? He drinks what for breakfast? Oh, he he gargles scotch that's older <laughs> than Ned Price every morning. That's and true. you can tell he looks at Ned Price with no respect whatsoever. No, like, what? there, like this guy's a joke. Okay, so that's the setup. Go ahead and roll it. Right, exactly. Uh, Nord Stream two. You guys have been saying for months, indeed for over a year since the waivers were, were first granted, that in fact this gave you additional leverage withholding the sanctions did, and would serve as a deterrent. Clearly, it didn't, uh, you, it didn't provide you with any leverage at all that we can tell because of what you just said in your opening statement about the invasion beginning. So, you know, how, how do you explain to people why you didn't impose these these sanctions earlier. So, Matt, it's important, uh, and let's just rewind the tape uh, and remember what has happened in recent hours. Uh, yesterday, within <laughs> what? Uh, a short time frame of the Russian invasion beginning, Germany took decisive, resolute action to take Nord Stream 2 off the table. Today, we followed with our own complementary authorities uh, using uh, the, the uh, powers and, and capabilities uh, that we have. We have always said is in the context of Nord Stream 2, in the context uh, of the steps that we are taking with partners and allies around the world, uh, that one of the most important tools we have in our arsenal is transatlantic unity. Uh, the fact that Germany acted so quickly so decisively uh, is, in many ways, a product of the coordination of the <laughs> consultation uh, we have done now with two successive German governments. I'm okay. sorry. Does that mean anything? Your head in Ukraine spinning. No. Yeah. It's, it's, hey, why? Right. I, I understand you want to <clears throat> wind back the tape from when Germany led and you followed, but uh -huh. uh, but we're talking about something that happened over a year ago. And here we go again with the words that mean nothing, right. nothing. but got to get thrown out there. And, and the tools yeah. um, with, our, with our partners and allies, yeah. uh, well-coordinated, mm -hmm. and we're together on this. What, together in failure? That's what it is. If you didn't want them to go in, it didn't work. And, yeah, it was hilarious the way Scotch Breath there just pointed it out to everybody. Obviously, it didn't do any good. <laughs> yeah. All right, you ready for your big three? I check? like that guy, by I the way. I do too, man. Yeah. I, we need more of him, to be honest. All right, let's roll this. Are you ready? One, two, three. Look at you. 
It's the three most important news stories of the day. I hit the trifecta. Well, at least according to Scott Robbins. It's the trifecta on the Markley Van Camp and Robbins Show. I meant Scott's breath as a compliment. That's right. The way David was. All right. Scott Robbins, top three stories of the day. We do it every day at this time. Helped by Scott's hero. Hi, it's me, Casey. Casey Kasem. Back again. I'm ready. All right. Always start with number three. Yes. Uh, all right. Has anybody seen Dr. Anthony Fauci lately? On the national scene, he's been rather quiet. Gone. Have you noticed that? I saw him on a clip yesterday. Yeah. Short one. Very short one. Yes. It was earlier yesterday. U.S. Health officials said they were preparing brand new COVID-19 guidance on many aspects of the virus. Okay. Followed announcements by several states. We've seen that. New Jersey, New York, California, Connecticut, Delaware, Oregon. They were lifting mask mandates for schools. Fauci showed up yesterday for a brief interview and said, you don't want to be reckless and throw everything aside, but you've got to start inching towards that. That was a clip I saw. Yeah, after the interview, Fauci seems to have just put his hat on and ridden into the sunset. Really? Now, this guy's made a pretty good name for himself and a decent living over the last couple of years, being the authority on all things COVID, right? Making a ton of dough. Until we started to see through all that. We've gone through tons of cycles with this guy, haven't we? Yes. Tons and tons uh, since his last major media appearances. It seems now the strategy coming is to rein him in and basement use him like much like they did Biden when they were running for the election campaign. That we'll be seeing less and less of him because, according oh, to polls, this people, is the report. Right. They have no, no confidence in him at all anymore. Diminished amount of trust with people in the U.S. and beyond, that this guy is up to, to no good at all. So the CDC and U.S. Public Health has decided that maybe it's time he take a step back. Now, the question I have is, why don't you just fire this guy? If you really want to just make a sweeping change, you I, let him go. I think it's because a lot of Democrats are still not ready to uh, uh, put away their Fauci prayer candles and throw pillows. And, and that may very well be the truth, too, David. I don't know. But you see these midterms coming up, and you see these these liberal states abandoning these mask policies. And a lot of these schools now, um, the majority now, are opening back up again and saying, no, we don't, we're not going to do this anymore. If you want to put masks on your kids indefinitely, then go ahead. Well, strategy-wise, I mean, yeah, I think you're well aware. I thought he should have been fired a long, long time But ago. I thought it was kind of interesting. But here's the deal. He was Let on me finish, TV please. three times a day, yes. This is the reason why, and this has been explained to me, because the Democrats cannot admit they were wrong. And if they fire him, they admit they were wrong. So it is have him right off into the sunset. Don't let him, you know, come out at all and just try to ignore it. Mm -hmm. And that way they don't have to admit they were wrong the whole time. But also he's not the face out there for them anymore. There You're you really attacking not okay. only Dr. Anthony Fauci, you're attacking science. <laughs> That's right. So anyway, go ahead. Just want to finish that's, that thought. That's really the only thought I had on it was uh, the lack of Fauci recently and the, the drum now that's beating to remove him or keep him uh, on a short leash now in terms of his dealings with the public. This was the guy that was going to save the world. I know. I'm 18 well months ago. It, disgusting. We're getting closer and closer to number one. I'm not the one that's supposed to get ticked off during the trifecta, well, by the way. Dude. You know, just that guy. I know. Uh, number two, Maryland Democrats want the cops to stop busting up homeless camps. They do. Um, a lot of the liberal cities have said, okay, we can't do this anymore, and they are busting them up. But now a Democratic-backed bill in Maryland would prevent police from enforcing failure-to-obey lawful order laws. 
That's exactly how it's worded, which critics say would permit homeless camps known as tent cities on public property. The sponsor of the bill, a bunch of Democrats, said in committee hearing the uh, tent cities are not harmful or dangerous to communities. What? Quote now, we should not be destroying homeless encampments. Yeah, they are dangerous, though, for yes. people. That's been demonstrated. Yes. Not that everybody who's out on the streets for one reason or another is a like raving lunatic who will eat your face or anything like that, but those are also magnets for crime. Drug dealing, spent needles left all over the place. They can well, the go waste a lot of crime. I mean, yes. not to mention attacks on people. It goes on and on and on. They can set them up wherever they want. If they want to set up in front of your house, they're allowed to do that and stay there. Okay. Well, maybe if you're a town like Baltimore, you're like, well, with all the other issues we got, the, those little petty crimes, we don't even charge for that anymore. <laughs> well, Probably. I mean, tent cities, that's beautification in parts of Baltimore. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to say that. That's, yes. Those are nice digs in some parts. Yeah, you got a big double tent. Yes. Scott Robbins trifecta, top three stories of the day. We're already there. And finally, yes. one. Uh, Abby Broyles is a Democrat running for Congress in Oklahoma. She got wasted at a tween slumber party. She berated the children and then threw up in a laundry hamper. Uh, she initially denied that she was at that party, again, for like 12- and 13-year-old girls. Uh, but now she has come clean, not only with a statement, but also an interview with uh, KFOR, television station yeah. in Oklahoma City. Yeah, which she talked about uh, taking meds with her booze and... Yeah, that was part of the problem. Meds that weren't prescribed to her, by the way. Right. And she explains. Yeah, okay. she does. All right. For years, I have struggled with stress and anxiety and insomnia. Who has? I took, I took the bar exam on two hours of sleep. I mean, this is how far this goes back for me. And she knows that. And she gave me a medication I had never taken before. And I had an adverse reaction. Instead of helping me sleep, I hallucinated and I don't remember anything until I woke up or came to and I was throwing up in a hamper. I just remember opening my eyes and I had gotten sick in this hamper and I didn't know where I was. It was the most awful experience that I've had. Okay. Yes. Taking someone else's medications with alcohol. Yeah. According to Anthony Fauci, that's the new settled science. <laughs> you, can, you, you can do that now. Okay, so she's had these issues going back forever. Yeah, she has. But the bar, two hours of sleep, anxiety, insomnia, and taking drugs, right? But this time she thought, I'm going to take something I've never taken before and then just wash it down with, you know, gallons of booze. Yeah. And I can't believe my friend knows my, my issue and she gave it to me. Not my yeah, fault. Totally threw that friend under the bus. And also, wow. by the way, Admitted on television, uh, she committed a crime. Yes. You are not allowed. It is illegal to provide your own prescriptions to somebody else, much less take them. That's right. You can't gloss that over. No. And there's another clip from that. Yeah. Well, cut three is where she says the campaign is rolling on. Okay. (laughs) Why not? That's not going to stop anybody. I'll be okay no matter what happens. But as far as this campaign, I'm never going to stop fighting for Oklahomans, whether it's in this race or fighting for the cause some other way. <laughs> Just stop it. 
That's when everyone's waiting for some people to come out, like with a video of like 50 people saying, we're asking you for the entire state to stop fighting for us, okay? We want other people to do that. I know you don't want to stop doing it. We're begging you to stop fighting for us. But thanks for the effort. Well, the booze hounds are very unrepresented. Are they? Yeah. All right. Nimrods of the news coming up in a news update straight ahead right here. Van Camp and Robbins show. Jamie Markley, David Van Camp, Scott Robbins. Another news update, David Van Camp. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is another really tough day for liberals all over the country. What? You know how the Manhattan District Attorney's Office has been investigating Donald Trump's business practices? They're mm-hmm. basically investigating because liberals wanted him, wanted them to. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So there's been a couple of prosecutors on this case. There's been a grand jury impaneled since late last year. Their term expires in April. Um, And, well, the people who are prosecuting that case have just resigned. They're like, they're out. They're done with the case. Wow. Uh Uh-oh. And as the New York Times, sorry, the failing New York Times puts it, uh, the prosecutors had abruptly stopped presenting evidence to a grand jury in the criminal investigation into the former president's business practices. Um, and they're thinking maybe there is nowhere to go with this criminal investigation. Now, the state attorney general in New York, Letitia James, uh, is also investigating the business practices and has claimed that they have misled people about the worth of their uh, of the businesses that Donald Trump has about his business enterprises Mm -hmm. except she can't criminally charge him apparently so it's it's a political witch hunt she could sue him but that's it we've learned a lot about law in the last several years Mm -hmm. so we're still learning too by the way so that's a sad day for a lot of people as you bring up very upset because that was the one that was going to get him right the walls were closing in on this one And the new DA, Alvin Bragg, the guy who was like, yeah, we're not going to arrest people who, I don't know, do something minuscule like armed robbery as long as no one gets hurt. Right, that guy? Mm-hmm. Apparently he has doubts about the case overall. Wow. That's very interesting. Is he going to run? Trump? Hmm. Quick prediction? I'd like to see someone younger run. I'm going to say no. You actually think he's not going to run? I can see his power base is bigger by not running. I think he's going to run. Yeah. Just on that question. You, well, you might be right. No, I, I, yeah, I think he's going to run. I'm kind of with David. I'd like to see somebody younger. Uh, yeah, I'm not Ron against DeSantis. that. Yeah, I think a lot of people. That'll be fascinating to see in itself. We may know a lot more about this within the next week. Who knows? All right, got to get to Nimrods. Let's roll it. When the going gets tough. Damn it, this is too hard. The dumb get dumber. All right, Ian. It's Nimrods in the News on the Martley, Van Camp, and Robbins Show. I love the poorly educated. 
All right. Nimrod's the news. New Orleans. A couple of guys going to a subway. It's Sunday night. Order some sandwiches. They sit down, enjoy their subs, um, and then they held the place up. Huh. Well, you don't want to be doing that on an empty stomach. No, you want to eat first, yeah. They pulled eat their guns, first, rob later. <laughs> demanded the money out of the register, and then ran off. And not quite sure how much they got away with. Um, cashier not hurt. So that's the whole thing about this story. People are saying, okay, so you go through the ordering process, and you go through the whole thing. Green peppers? Yeah, I'd like those. Toasted? Yes, I think so. And you're eating just totally calm, cool, relaxed. And then, boom. I think I'm going to need some of that money. They're still looking for them, by the way. You know, I'll find them. I, I mean, you, wonder how cameras much cash is even on hand. You know, in a lot of different places now. It's like, well, what's going to happen to me if I get caught? That's well, that's true. Risk it for the biscuit? Why not? And that's Nimrods in the news. This is the Markley Van Camp and Robin Show.